Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Got some great news for you that we need to give praise to God for. Christmas Eve on the square was absolutely amazing. Um, Estimated over 700 people joined us. We had 500 candles and they were all gone and people were wanting more. Uh, The cookies went as well and on each cookie uh, was information about our new site and when we will be there. So please pray uh, that seeds have been planted and throughout this new year God will begin to harvest those the more and more we do it and reach out. Next week is going to be a little bit different. You're going to want to be here. We will meet here for the first 20 minutes or so uh, and have a different kind of service. We'll break the series for next week. We're going to do something a little bit different. We will leave here and we will caravan to the new building. And so I want you, the reason I'm telling you what we're going to do, because I usually like to surprise you, but the reason I'm telling you is I want you to come prepared with a favorite scripture or a prayer And we're going to use the Sharpie markers you used this morning. And we're going to go up there right on the floors, those prayers, thoughts, scripture, whatever you want to write uh, before the carpet and the painting all happens. And we'll conclude worship up there. Um, So normal time, normal everything for you all. Uh, We won't have any screen next week or the big speakers. Uh, It'll be acoustic kind of thing with a guitar. And we'll move from here to there after the first 25 minutes or so, all right? So anyone that was supposed to pull the trailer, hey, you don't have to pull it next week. So good news for you. Good news for you. Was that you, Brandon? All right, you are off next week. Awesome. You ever done something or acted in a way that you were never taught to act and you thought, Why did I do that? Why did I act that way? Or maybe you responded to someone, you thought something, and you thought, where did that come from? Why did I do that? Or ladies, maybe you're in a store and you're trying on clothes. You've tried on like 17 different outfits, and you haven't liked a single one of them. Why? Where did that come from? Or you react when your spouse is asking you questions, you react back sarcastically right away. You think, why did I do that? Where did that come from? Why do we do what we do? As we go through this series together, we're going to find that behavior flows from our identity. Our tendency is to focus on the behavior, but where does that behavior come from? Well, it comes from our identity. We're going to study in the book of Ephesians for the next several weeks. We're going to see Paul talk to the people and to us about how they live. He's first going to talk to people about who they are, and then he'll transition in because you know who you are, now this is what you should do. This is how you should live. I asked you to put on this sticker, and I I hate name tags more than anything. I hate to put these on. But I asked you to put this on this morning. You put your name on there. If you were to substitute your name for another word or two words 
of how people identify you. What would you put on there? Besides your name, what is the word or a couple of words that most identify you? What shapes you into who you are? One definition for identity by Pastor David Loma says, identity is the truest thing about you. There are a lot of things that could be true about you, but what is the truest thing about you? And here's where Paul's coming from in Ephesians. He says, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, here's your identity. Here's the truest thing about you. You are in Christ. Two words, in Christ. Those two words are used again and again in Scripture. Eleven times they're used in the first 14 verses of the book of Ephesians. Those two words shape our identity as Christians. We know who we are and we know then what we should do because, Paul says, we are what? In Christ. And in this Facebook, Instagram world that we live in nowadays, unfortunately, I believe we're training ourselves to form our identity on what other people think of us, right? We post a picture of, our, of ourselves or of our family or of something, and when they sit, everybody sits back and sees if anybody likes it, how many likes we get, how many views we get, and we base our identity on what the comments may be, or they'll throw up some kind of emoji. And you think, well, what does that really mean? And so we may spend 15, 20 minutes trying to translate what they meant by the emoji, or sometimes my grandkids will send me back three letters. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? I get LOL, right? I mean, I'm smart enough to figure that. Laugh out loud, Joe. All right. You know, we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that. But what does it mean? And if we're not careful, we begin to let and we begin to train ourselves to form our identity through the eyes of others. And that's dangerous. That's only true for us now. That was true for those people back in Ephesus. They're new Christians. Paul's trying to help them understand they too are in Christ. They are new creations. Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. Pay attention to some of the identity language in here. He says, don't forget you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Here's the label you wore, he tells them. Here's what the Jews saw in you. They said you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected their bodies and not their hearts. Paul says, look, you're in an environment where people have given you some labels. You've been identified a certain way for a long, long time. It's going to be tempting for you to see yourselves, telling the Gentiles, through the eyes of the Jews. But he also tells the Jews, saying, listen, this isn't who they are. This is not who they are. You have given them the label as illegitimate children of God, and you've made it easy for them to think of themselves and see themselves by the way you view them. They were also labeled by their community. Ephesus was a very pagan city, 
false gods, pagan worship. And ironically, they called the Christians in Ephesus, they called them atheists. They labeled them as unbelievers because the Christians believed in one God. Where the Ephesians, those in Ephesus, believed in lots of gods. And because the Christians didn't believe in a lot of gods, didn't practice the paganism practices that they did, they were set apart and they were different, they were labeled by the people in the community as unbelievers. And then Paul said, no, no, no. Don't think of yourselves like that. This is who you are. And I think that's probably where some of us find ourselves if we're not careful. Our identity is shaped by the people around us. Even if we don't realize it's happening. It's happened to many of us since we were young. We've had people in our lives tell us something about us. Continue, continue, continue. When someone continues to speak in your life about who they think you are, then all of a sudden you begin to believe that is who you are. Can be something negative. Maybe a coach, when you're young, called you lazy. Lazy, lazy, and all of a sudden you thought, well, maybe I am lazy. And so all your life you've kind of thought of yourself as lazy. Maybe a teacher classified you as slow, put you in a different group. And so all your life you've looked at yourself and I'm just slow. I'm just slow. Maybe a parent called you a problem child. My dad gave me a nickname when I was young, called me the boy blunder. And I mean, maybe he had a reason to, you know, when it snowed one time, I first got my driver's license, our driveway went like this, and we had a hill down there, and I happened to get too close to the slide and put the car in the woods. Maybe it was because when I was about oh, eight years old, I set the woods on fire behind my grandparents' house. I, I don't know. There are various things of why he called me the boy blunder. You know, Dave told me this morning about ready to take a hammer to one of the locks on the that, that's me, all right? You know, and if I'm not careful, I allow that to shape my identity. It may be something positive that someone said to you. They may call you an athlete, a gifted athlete, a musician, intellectual. Some may have called you beautiful, funny, creative, all nice things, a nice compliment, unless it becomes the truest thing about you. Follow me. If it becomes the truest thing about you, then that means you've always got to be creative. You've always got to be funny. You've always got to put on a show because people have thought of you that way. And so you put on a front, you put on an act just to agree with the label. So Paul wants us to have the right view of who we are a true identity. And so what a, he gives us some photos, some pictures of how he wants us to see ourselves. The first photo he would hand to you is said, would say, you are adopted. Get this. One truth about you is you are adopted. Ephesians 1.4, he says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Paul's saying, here's how God identifies you. 
He identifies you that you are holy and you are blameless when he looks at you. You're adopted. You are his. Jason and David Benham, in their book, Whatever the Cost, write this. Concerning ourselves with the perception, what people say about us makes us man-pleasers. Concerning ourselves with reality, what God says about us makes us God-pleasers. We must not concern ourselves with the lies or the applause of man, but only what God says is true. Perception is not reality. Reality is reality. You are adopted by God. Verse 5, God decided a long time in advance. Here's the word. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to adopt us into his family and bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It was all for his pleasure. We were chosen by him. And this is huge for the Gentile and for the, for the Jewish people all to understand that they were not illegitimate Christian people. They were children of God. Paul says, you are adopted, and it's the truest thing about you as a Christian. So, you and I could say, well, as a son or as a daughter of God, we, people would say, well, who are you? We could say, hello, my name is a child of the one true king. Say it with me. Hello. Okay. Now, don't say hello. Say my, my name. My name. Paul would say that is your identity. That is who you are. Also, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, he gives us another picture of ourselves. He says, you are God's masterpiece. Verse 10 in chapter 2 says, for we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Masterpiece. Isn't that a cool word? As you read through a different translation of the Bible, you might find the word tapestry, workmanship. And I love the word tapestry because all of our lives are like the back of a tapestry, you know, with all the strings all messed up and going everywhere. And God takes all those things that happen to us, weaves them together, and makes a beautiful tapestry in the end of the life that he's given us. Paul says, this is who you are. I don't know what other people have called you. I don't know what other labels you have worn, but this is the truth. You are God's masterpiece. And when you and I finally understand who we are in God's eyes, it breaks all those other labels that we try to measure up to when we understand who we really are. Jesse Rice wrote an article entitled, An Open Letter to My Fear of What Others Think. I love this. I want to read a portion of it to you. She wrote, Dear, fear of what others think. I'm sick of you, and it's time we broke up. I know we've broken up and gotten back together many times, but seriously, 
fear of what others think, this is it. We're done. I'm tired and over of thinking my status update, thinking about over my status updates on Facebook, trying to sound more clever, funny, and important than I am. I'm sick of feeling anxious about what I say or do in public, especially around people I don't know all that well, and hope that they'll like me, accept me, praise me. I run around all day feeling like a golden retriever with a full bladder saying, like me, like me, like me. Because of you fear of what others think, I go through my day with a cloud of shame hanging over my head. I never stop acting. The spotlight's always on and I'm center stage and I better keep dancing, posturing, posing, or else the spotlight will move. And I'm sure I'll dissolve into a little meaningless puddle on the ground like that witch in the Wizard of Oz. I can never live up to the expectations of my imaginary audience, the one that lives only in my head, but whose collective voice is louder than any other voice in the universe. And all of this is especially evil, she writes, because if I really stop and think about it and I let things go quiet and listen patiently for the voice of God, who made me, and the Savior who died for me. In his eyes, it turns out I'm actually profoundly precious, lovable, worthy, and valuable. When I find my true identity in Christ, then you, fear of what others think, turn back into the tiny, yapping little dog that you are. So eat it, fear of what others think. You and I are done I am no longer interested in talking it through. I'm running, jumping, laughing you out of my life once and for all. Or at least, that's what I really, really want. God help me. The way we break free of the fear of what others think or the labels that others have given us or the false labels maybe even that Satan has given us is to see ourselves through God's eyes, to see ourselves through God's heart and think about the truest thing about us. You are adopted. You are a masterpiece. And in Ephesians 3, Paul says, ultimately get this, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. Verse 18, his prayer for us as Christians, for the church of Ephesus, he says, may you have the power to understand together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the is the love of Christ. And when you grab a hold of that, he says, it's impossible to get it all. But I believe if we could just get a little piece of it and understand how much God loves us, then all of a sudden we will understand who we really are and we will live the way God intended us to live. Hello. My name is a child of the one true king. I am adopted. I am a masterpiece. 
I am loved by God. That's your identity as a believer in Jesus Christ. That's my identity. And no one can take that away. We used to play a game when I was growing up in youth group and church. I've been in church most of all my life. In fact, it's the title of the message this morning. The name of the game was Please Stand Up. Please stand up. Maybe you've played it before. It's kind of a crowd breaker kind of a game where someone says something, and if that's true about you, then you stand up. No, we're not going to play it, so just relax a little bit, all right? But it would go like this, and I'd say, if you're a Buckeye fan, please stand up. Well, yeah, of course, Christine and Tim are going to be on their feet in a minute, right? Or if I say, if you have an Audi belly button, those of you with Audi belly buttons would stand up. Those of you with innies would stay seated. Well, I kind of want to use this game as we wrap things up. Because I want us to identify ourselves truly as who we are, as followers of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you some of the truest things about you. And maybe some of you will sit there and think, well, that's not me. No, it is you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as a child of the one true king, everything I'm about to give to you is true about you. And so I am going to ask you to stand on the very first one that I read as a believer in Jesus Christ, because no matter what you think or what's been programmed in you, this is true about you. And so you'll stand up and you'll remain standing until the end when we read some of these together. Here we go. Stand up again if this is true about you. 2 Corinthians 5 says, I am a new creation and I'm not who I used to be. Stand up if that's true about you. Ephesians 6.10, I am strong in the Lord. Romans 1.7, I am a saint. Romans 8, I am more than a conqueror. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am set free. John 8, I am the light of the world. Matthew 5, I am the righteousness of God. I am God's workmanship. I am beloved by God. John 5, I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. Those are all true of you. But I want us to read the last ones together. These are all from Ephesians chapter 1. This is who you are. This is true of you in Christ. Read these with me. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am holy. 